Turn with me to Luke, the fifth chapter. Thanks, guys. Y'all can be seated. Luke 5. Anybody know what we've been talking about on Friday night? Are you ready to help me tonight? And I got some ground to cover. I feel like we need to cover some ground. And we need to be focused. And uh, cover more than one reason. Tonight. How about six? <laughs> Don't doubt. All things are possible. Maybe seven. <laughs> now I'm not talking about staying all night. Just as uh, long as is necessary, but uh, but focusing. Luke 5, our text, we've been on for some weeks now. The title of the series is God's Will to Heal. And uh, we believe he's for it, not again it. And we're for it. Somebody say, y'all believe in healing? Absolutely. Every day of the week. For everybody. Hmm? Now that separates us from a lot of Christians. You know, we might think that, well, you know, everybody believes it's God's will to heal, but uh, we're actually the minority. There are a whole lot more Christians that do not believe it's God's will to heal all the time and for everybody than that do. So why do we believe that? If we're in the minority, if so many other millions believe something different than we do about this, why do we believe this? Is there a reason? Well, we're convinced that the Bible tells us so. Luke 5, Luke 5 and verse 12, it came to pass when he, Jesus, was in a certain city, behold, a man full of leprosy, who seeing Jesus fell on his face and besought him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. He was persuaded of the Lord's ability to get him healed. He was unconvinced, unsure of his willingness. And that's exactly where millions of Christians, believers, good people, thoroughly born again, Love God, go to heaven when they die, but they are not convinced that it's God's will to heal them. They hope it is, they'd like for it to be, just like this man, but they don't know if it is or not, not sure. Well, how are you going to find out? Well, a lot of them feel that, well, we'll pray and ask the Lord to do it, to heal us if it's his will. Well, then how are we going to find out the will of God? Well, if it's his will, we get healed. If we didn't get healed, it was obvious it wasn't his will. Millions believe this. But why don't they believe that concerning other things? Concerning the new birth. If you said, well, it might not be God's will to save everybody. They go, oh, no, 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 that's wrong. That's error. It's God's will to save everybody. Yeah, but they're not all saved. Hmm? How do we find the will of God on any subject? Come on, help me out now. Not by what you've experienced or by what you haven't experienced. Not by what somebody else experienced or didn't experience. How do we find the will of God? 
the word of God reveals the will of God. Now there's all kind of people who have not attained to God's perfect will in a lot of areas. But does that change the will of God? No. What if you and I come short of God's perfect will in some area of our life? Do we try to change the standard and say, well, what we're experiencing is the perfect will of God? No. No, the Bible, the Word of God tells us the will of God. And instead of trying to water this down to match what we're experiencing or not experiencing, let's believe God to lift up our experience, raise up our experience to match this. you got to get to the point where you say, this is the will of God, I don't care what I see. I don't care what I feel. I don't care what I've experienced or other people haven't experienced. This is the will of God. If there were only two people in the state of Missouri that ever got saved, it was still the perfect will of God for all of them to get saved. Do you believe that? Because the Bible said it's not his will that any should perish. It is his will for all to come. To the knowledge of the truth and salvation. Is it true? Of course a lot of people are not attaining to that. But it's still the will of God. And if there wasn't but three people. In the history that got healed. It's still the will of God. For everybody to be healed. If there were only five people on the planet. That were prospered supernaturally. It's still the will of God. For everybody to prosper. Come on now. If there are only ten people in the church that spoke in tongues, it's still the will of God for everybody to speak in tongues. You with me or not? Somebody say the will of God is found in the Word of God. That's where we find the will of God. So we began some weeks ago now establishing Why we are sure it's God's will for all to be healed. 30 biblical reasons. 30 reasons from the scripture why we know it's God's will for all of us to be healed right now. If you find somebody that says, well, I don't believe it that way. Well, get them to give you 30 (laughs) biblical reasons why they are sure it's not God's will. For all, not their opinion, not their experience, not their theory, scriptures, scriptures. Have we been giving you scriptures on these reasons? Not theories, not opinion. So we're up to reason number what, 24? We co- I mean, the last reason was reason number 24. If you have not been with us, we saw reason number one, God's word is medicine. Number two, a strong spirit will sustain you. Number three, God's original creation. Number four, God's will in heaven and in the world to come. Number five, the origin of sickness and disease. Number six, sickness is the work of the devil. Not my opinion, the Bible said so. Number seven, we have a covenant of healing. Number eight, the eternal names of God. He is still Jehovah Rapha. Number nine, sickness is a curse. And we've been redeemed from the curse. Number 10, types of redemption. Number 11, redemption itself. Number 12, the first fruits of our redemption. Number 13, the fatherhood of God. He's a healing father. Number 14, healing is the children's bread. 
Number 15, the mercy of God. Number 16, we got authority over demons and disease. Number 17, the ministry of Jesus. He healed everybody that ever came to him to be healed, left healed, and that ministry is still going on today. Number 18, the laying on of hands. Lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. 19, the good shepherd takes good care of his sheep. Number 20, healing in the acts. It didn't pass away. Number 21, signs and wonders and gifts of healings. Number 22, prayers for healing. Number 23, the all-inclusive promises of God. If you didn't know any other scripture, God has promised repeatedly to do all things and anything and whatsoever thing that whosoever would believe and receive. Number 24, with long life, he will satisfy us and show us his salvation. Can you say amen? Amen. Well, you can't die young with sickness and disease and reach that. Even if it didn't kill you, if the disease works on you long enough, it's shortened your life. No, somebody say, well, long life. Long Long life. life. He will satisfy me and show me his salvation. Well, let's go on to reason number 25 tonight. Go to John 15. Now, these next reasons that we're going to go through, they have some similarity, and yet they're different as well. There's some overlap. That's why I may not spend as much time on each one, but you're going to see a recurring theme over and over, and really it goes through the whole of what we've taught, but I believe it'll be driven home even stronger tonight. What are we talking about? It's God's will for all of us to be healed. Everybody. You know, people say, well, it must not have been God's will to heal them. We don't believe that. I said, we don't believe that. Well, you know, they died from that car wreck at 25. It just was God's will to take them. It was their time. We don't believe that. Now, if they were saved, they went to heaven. Glory to God. It's better to be with the Lord. But no, we don't believe that they were robbed of years they could have had. Can you say amen? Well, you know, they prayed, but they died from the disease. It was just God's will for them to have the disease and to die. No, I'm sorry. We don't believe that. Now, there's been cases where I and where you have not attained to God's best, but it doesn't change God's best. Hmm? There's been times you didn't operate in the perfect will of God. I didn't attain to the perfect will of God, but that doesn't change the perfect will of God. What is the perfect will of God for everybody on the planet? To be healed. To be healed. healed. We're going to preach it. We're going to proclaim it. We're going to expound it. We're going to confess it. We're going to say it. We're going to believe for it. And we're not going to change. Now, you know, there's a lot of religions. I mean, they change their Bible every few years. They change this and they change. And there's groups, Christian groups. They change what they believe. Pretty regularly. But if you believe in the Bible, you never get an upgrade. You never get an update. Why? Because it was perfect when he said it. It was perfect when he said it. It was right. It doesn't need to change. It'll never need to change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is God. He does not change. Doesn't need to. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Did you find John? 
John 15 and verse 5. Jesus said, I am the vine. You are the branches. Are you a branch? You are the branches. He that abides in me and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Verse 8. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples. Reason number 25. We are sure it's God's will for all to be healed today because he is the vine. We are the branches. What kind of vine is he? Is he a healthy vine? Is he a strong vine? Or is he a sickly vine? How many understand healthy vine, sickly branches? No, healthy trunk, sick limbs. No, no. The life that's in the branches is coming out of the trunk. It's coming out of the vine. If the vine is robust and healthy and strong, the branches should be robust. Why? Because they're part of, part of the plant. You know, people believe differently in church than they do at home. They believe different on Sunday morning than they do Tuesday afternoon. They sit up in church, listen to somebody preach to them and tell them that God might be, that sickness, that cancer, that disease in their life might be a blessing in disguise. And to just bear your cross. And yet, they'll get out in their garden on Tuesday afternoon. And if they got a sick tomato plant. Huh? You ever seen anybody in the garden with a blighted, sick tomato plant? And they stop and go, thank you, Jesus. For blessing my tomato plant with this blight. Have you ever heard somebody say that? Well, look, and bring you over to their house and go, look at my flower bed. And they're all dead. And you say, look how the Lord blessed my flowers. No, we don't understand it. But he blessed me. You don't talk that way. Christians don't talk that way. Why? Because we got enough sense to know that sickness in the cornfield is not a blessing. Sickness in the flower bed is not a blessing. Come on now, sickness in your tree is not a blessing. It's a curse. Well, if sickness in the tomato plant is a curse, then sickness in Tommy Boy is a curse. Or in Tina or Tammy or whoever. It's the same stuff. Sickness is not a blessing. Not a blessing in disguise. Not a blessing any otherwise. Sickness is a curse. It's not the will of God. It doesn't please Him. You want to get sickness out of your flower bed. You want to get sickness out of your garden. You'll pull up those plants. You'll throw them away. You'll separate them from the others, right? You want to get it out of there. Why? Lest the other be contaminated. So don't sit up in church and try to pretend sickness is good in you. If it's good in you, it's good in your plants. We got a holy vine that we are connected to. A pure vine. 
The life that flows from the vine into the branches is completely pure and life and light. There is no corruption. There is no corruption. How many believe he is light and in him is no darkness at all? He's life. There's no death in God. Now you'll have some people say, oh, well now death is the tool of God. God uses death. No, no. Death is the enemy of God. 1 Corinthians 15 says so. It's the last enemy that will be put underfoot. No. Now it's appointed unto man once to die. Our bodies are still mortal. And if he tears his coming, we'll live out our life and go. But even that is not his perfect will and not please. I mean, man was made to never die. That's why your body resists it, even when it comes time. You know, something about it's not right. You were not made to die. Oh, but soon and very soon, these bodies are going to be changed, and this mortal is going to put on immortality, and our body will be in a condition where it will never age, never wear out, never die. Won't that be wonderful? Well, we've already talked about in the meantime, we don't have the whole resurrection thing that we're enjoying right now, but we get to enjoy the earnest of it, the first fruits of it right now in the quickening of our mortal body that enables us to be strong and and healthy as long as we need to be. And if you're not experiencing it, you ought to be claiming it and believing for it because it's still the will of God. Can you say amen? Well, Jesus is the vine. Do we have disease coming out of the vine into us? Absolutely not. He is a healthy, strong vine, and we are to be healthy, strong branches. Reason number 26, go to 1 Corinthians 12. So now you're encouraged about this, aren't you? <laughs> 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians 12. I'm going to understand you could preach an hour on a point like this. But, you know, this is not our first night either, is it? Hmm? You've already got some background on this. So you know what we're talking about. 1 Corinthians 12 and 27 says, Now you are the body of Christ and members in particular. You are the body of Christ. Go back to uh, the uh, 6th chapter of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 6 and 15. 6.15. Know you not that your bodies are the members of Christ? Reason number 26 We are sure it's God's will for all of us to be healed because our bodies are members of Christ. This is not widely believed. A whole lot of people say, well, no, no, now your spirit, your spirit is part of the body of Christ, but not this old body. This old body has been affected by sin and it's corrupted. And thank God we're going to get rid of this old thing and get us a new body. Well, no, I mean, that's uh, the latter part of the, some of that's right. But the first part of that's wrong. 
Can you read the scripture right here? What does it say? That last verse we read, what did it say? Know you not that what? Your spirit? Your soul? What? Your bodies. Now, it's unmistakable what he's talking about. If you back up just a couple of verses, he's talking about committing fornication with your body. There's no question what he's talking about. He's talking about this physical body that you got right now. Is this body part of Christ? Well, whether you understand it or not, can you believe the Bible? What did he say? Don't you know that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them the members of a harlot? Will that be the body you got right now that you could do that with? Our bodies are a permanent part of the body of Christ. That sounds strange to people's ears. But Jesus has bought and paid for this body for eternity. Oh, can you say glory to God? Someone says, no, no, I don't like this body. I don't want this body. I want my new body. No, it's going to be this body changed. This body glorified. And I assure you, once it's glorified, you will have no complaints about it. But it's going to be this one. This one. The Lord thinks so much of this body that he has created. How many know the psalmist said we are fearfully and wonderfully made? People despise their bodies. They treat them terribly. They abuse them. They sin with them. They destroy them. But we ought not. Because this body is a one of a kind original. Made by the master. It's been affected by the curse in the earth and and sin. But even in its fallen state, it's a marvel. Isn't it? Don't despise your body. Thank God for your body. If there's some things you don't like about it, believe God to get them changed. Get them fixed. Are you with me? And if there's anything that you can't quite do to suit you, know that very soon it's going to be fixed anyhow. Right? (laughs) So don't get upset about it. You do believe. What the scripture says, that the trumpet is going to sound. Huh? And the dead in Christ are going to rise. What does that mean? Their bodies that were put in the ground or put in a cave or lost at sea or lost. There were Christians who died in the sea and the sharks got them. Where's their body? The Christians that died out in the desert. Their bones were bleached. Their bones have been dissolved and scattered by the winds to the four corners. Where is their body? Well, it's still here. (laughs) How many know God knows the molecules and where they are? And it'd be interesting if you were still alive and remaining when the trumpet sounded and the Lord came back and you saw believers' bodies from the four corners of the planet go, boom, back together. And then the glory of the Lord flow over it. And their spirit come back in their body. And while you're standing there going. It's going to hit you. And you're going to be changed. But why are we saying all this? Because this body right here, right now is a part of Christ. 
Well, when you think of the body of Christ, do you think it pleases God for his body to be sick? For there to be, I mean, think about the phrase, is our body a member of Christ? We just got through reading it. Well, what about the sound of sickness in Christ? Sickness in him, disease, corruption in him. Do you think that pleases him? Does that sound right to you? No way. Sickness and corruption and defilement is not going to please the Lord in Christ or in any part of him. We know it can't be the will of God. We know it doesn't please. Now we know there's sin in the body of Christ. Hmm? Does that please him? No. Poverty, lack, fear, disease, but none of it pleases him. It's his will for his body to be clean. Right? Whole, strong, free. We're sure it's God's will for all of us to be healed because my body, pat your body, say my body. Is a part of Christ. It's a member of Christ. It can't be the will of God. For it to be diseased. Absolutely not. You know not only that. But the Bible tells us that the Lord manifests himself through his body. The head accomplishes the work and will of God through his body. How many heads of businesses do you know of? It makes them happy when their employees are sick. It pleases them when their workers can't come to work and can't get their job done. It does not. In fact, how many understand if you studied this, sickness cost corporations billions worldwide in this country. The number of sick days and the people are not coming and not doing their work. I mean, it's taking money right out of the bottom line of that company. Isn't it? And I assure you, any CEO you want to talk to, any manager, any overseer will tell you they want all their people healthy all the time. Am I right? All the time. What about the Lord? When sickness is riddling the body of Christ, disease and premature death is taking people out, does that affect the plan of God? We don't like to think so. But who's going, to be, who's going to do this? Who's preaching the gospel? Who's doing the work of God? Who's accomplishing the plan of God in the earth? Well, if you've got half the body sick, half the body not able to travel, not able to go, not able to do, is it affecting the plan of God? Is it hindering the work of God? Certainly it is. The harvest is great. The laborers are few. We need every one of us. We need every one of us at 100%. I don't need to lay in the bed for a month at a time. I need to be out preaching the gospel. You don't need to lay in the bed. Right? You don't need to be incapacitated. We're sure it can't be the will of God for us to be sick and weak. Because we got work to do. We got the gospel to preach. We got the great commission to fulfill. Can you say amen? I just don't buy it when people try to sell me and say, well, God is working that out. You know, he put that sickness on that brother to teach you some things. And he's been out of circulation in the ministry for six months. Hadn't been able to do his work. He put that on that sister. She's been unable to help in the church. Uh, Other people have had to come in and do their job and hers. God put that on that brother. No, I can't accept that. I can't believe that because there's too much to be done. And the laborers are few. We need everybody. Everybody. Healed. Strong. We need everybody to live their whole life. 
because there's so much to be done. We're sure it's God's will for all of us to be healed. Because my body, your body, our bodies are members part of Christ. Go to 1 Corinthians 6, or maybe you're already there. Are you still there? Good. Skip down to verse 19. 619. What? <laughs> no, you not. Don't you know? Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own. Your body's not your own? That's right. Keep reading. For you are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God. In your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Does God care what we do with this body? Does he care what's going on with this body? Yeah, we're not just to glorify God in our spirit only, but in our body and our spirit. Reason number 27. We're sure it's God's will for all of us to be healed. Because my body, your body, is a temple of the Holy Ghost. A house of the Holy Ghost. Somebody said out loud, my body. My body. Go ahead and pat it again. My body, my body. is a house, a, house. A, temple a temple of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost. Does God want sickness in his house? What kind of house you want to live in? Good sound, strong, clean house, or rat infested, roach infested, termite infested, mildew filled house? Huh? House where you can't touch anything. You got to tiptoe around, you got to wear a mask and gloves. Because your house is full of junk. Well, the Holy Ghost lives in this house. Doesn't he? He's clean. He's pure. He's whole. He's holy. Wonder what kind of house he'd prefer to live in. It's already mortal. That'd be enough to deal with. Right? <laughs> Without it being full of other kind of corruptions of sin and disease and other kind of putrefaction. What kind of house does it please him? Look at the, uh, you looked at the 19th verse. Back up to the 3rd chapter and the 9th verse, 3-9. He said, we are laborers together with God. You are God's husbandry. You are God's building. Somebody say, we're his building. Skip down to verse 16. Know you not that you are the temple of God and the Spirit of God dwells in you? If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. Does God take kindly to the defilement and corruption of his temple? Now we know that all of us put together also make up the temple of God. 
And people say, well, that, now, Brother Keith, that's just talking about a spiritual house. Spiritual house, well, it is, but it includes the body. I said it includes the body. Let me prove it to you. Go with me to Luke, please. Luke, well, no, no, let's do it differently. Go to Leviticus 14, then we'll go to Matthew 21, and we'll talk about Luke later. Leviticus 14, Matthew 21. Are you with me? Even if you don't feel like you need it right now, I assure you, you'll be glad you got it later on. And there'll be some other people that need it too. Get this in you. Let me say it another way. You may think, Brother Keith, I was convinced on reason number one. (laughs) I was convinced before you gave reason number one. Well, okay, but do you feel stronger about it now? Huh? After reason number one, two, three, four, five, down to 27 or whatever it is now. Hmm? Well, see, the thing is, faith is not of the head. Faith is not of the intellect. For with the heart, man believes. Romans 10, 10 says, right? With the heart, man believes. And so, it's not enough to just have these thoughts and these principles logged in your memory banks that's not good enough it's got to get in your spirit it's got to become alive to you and how many can testify that when the word just keeps coming in you just keeps coming in you just keeps coming in you it pushes out the questions it pushes out the reasonings and rationalizations and you just get to the place where you are unmovable nobody can talk you out of this you're unshakable and you got to be that way when symptoms come because symptoms will try to shake you. People will try to shake you. People will try to talk you out of this. Your feelings and will try to talk you out of this. That's why you need your soul anchored deep in the Word of God. So that if something comes up, you're not trying to decide what you believe. You already were fully persuaded way back. You're not hanging on to a third of a verse that you thought somebody said and wasn't sure what they meant. <laughs> no, you got verse after verse after verse after verse. How did Jesus overcome in the wilderness? When he was pushed, when he was pressed, when he was tempted to the hilt. What did he do? It is written. Notice he didn't say they teach down to synagogue. Notice he didn't say, this is what we believe over at my church, I think. No, no, no. It is written. He knew what was written. He was persuaded of what was written. There was no questioning. There was no wondering. There was no wavering. And how many saw he overcame, he overcame, he overcame, and came out in victory in the power of the Spirit. He did it as a man. You and I can do it. By his grace and by his word. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. But how many know you got to know what you believe? You got to know it. Not what your husband believes. Not what your wife believes. This is what you believe. Why do you believe it? It is written. I've seen it for myself. I know it, I'm sure. That's why we're 30 reasons instead of two. We just want to keep on, just keep on pounding effect of the word of God it'll push all the unbelief out Leviticus 14 are you there 
We're on reason number 27. We're sure it's God's will for all of us to be healed today. Why? Because my body, your body, my body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. In Leviticus 14, I want you to notice something. Leviticus 14, down in about verse, this is talking about an individual that comes to the priest and says he's got a sickness in his house. Verse 35, Leviticus 14, 35, he that owns a house will come and tell the priest and said, it seems to me as if there's a plague in the house. Verse 36, are you there? Leviticus 14, 36. The priest will command that they empty the house before the priest go into it to see the plague, that all that is in the house be not made unclean. And afterward, the priest shall go in to see the house. He shall look on the plague, and behold, if the plague be in the walls of the house with hollow strakes, they got greenish and reddish stuff lower than the wall, the priest will go out of the house and say, my brother, the Lord has blessed your house. Hmm? No. He will shut up the house seven days. The priest will come again the seventh day and look. And behold, if the plague be spread in the walls of the house, the priest will come back out and say, Brother, the Lord has blessed you tremendously. Now, I know you're all laughing. You may say, why do you keep saying that, Brother Keith? You know why I keep saying it? Because millions of Christians are saying that sickness in the Lord's house is a blessing. In disguise or some way. It's his will. It pleases him. We may not understand it, but it pleases him some way. No, no. He said, no, this thing is spread. Go in there and take the stones out. Cast them to the unclean place outside the city. And they'll cause the house. They scrape it round about. They pour out the dust. They take it out. Put it out in the, in the dung heap unclean place and they took other stones they put new stones in there and they put new mortar and they put new plaster and if the plague come again and break out in the house after that he takes out the stones and after he scraped the house and after it's plastered the priest will look he'll come and look and behold if the plague be spread in the house it is a fretting leprosy in the house it is unclean he'll break down the house the stones of it the timber and the mortar and carry them forth out of the city to an unclean place They lost the house. They destroyed the house. Is sickness acceptable in a house? In the Lord's house? How many thank God for the cleaning team here at Faith Life Church? Oh, we do. So Aren't they faithful? I mean, it's easy to get used to every time you come to the service. Everything's nice and clean. But how many know it didn't just happen that way by itself? <laughs> somebody's moving some cloth. Somebody's moving some vacuum. Somebody's sweeping all the time. Right. And how many think that's just right? That we ought to take care of what the Lord has given us. Right. We ought to spend the money. We ought to buy the supplies. We ought to do the stuff right. Whatever it takes. Keep it nice. Keep it clean. What if you came in here this evening and somebody had let a bunch of pigs in here? You know, a dog pack had got in here. Everybody just left the doors open and said, ah, you know, whatever. And people had thrown stuff on the floor, you know, five years ago and it hadn't been picked up yet. (laughs) And it's stinking and got filth in it. What would you think about it? Man, that'd be talked about, wouldn't it? They'd say, that is, that's terrible. It's terrible. 
They got dirt in the Lord's house. <laughs> Terrible. And what if we said, well, now we just believe <laughs> that this is the Lord's will. We don't understand it. Are y'all following me on this or not? Well, how many know this building is not really the Lord's house? I mean, we've dedicated to him. It's his property. But all this stuff's going to melt with fervent heat. We are the Lord's house. That includes these bodies. We just proved it with other scripture. There's no way. Sickness in the house of God can be his will. No way it can please him. No way. The house of the Lord ought to be clean. Ought to be healthy. Ought to be holy. Ought to be without sin. Without disease. Without fear. Without depression. Come on. Come on. The house of the Lord ought to be clean. The Holy Spirit lives in us. The Holy Spirit. Well, the clean spirit ought to have a clean house. It's amazing. you got men and women that are meticulously clean. I mean, they wouldn't have dirt in their house. They wouldn't have dirt in their car. I mean, they're clean, 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 clean. And then sit up in church. And say they ought to yield to some nasty disease that's destroying their body because it's the will of the Lord somewhere. Are you silly about it? How many say I'm getting worked up about this? Why? Because people are dying. They're dying. Why? Laying down and yielding to this nasty stuff and saying it's the will of God. No, you're supposed to stand up and stomp your foot and say, no, no, this is not the will of God. I found the will of God in the Bible. I resist this disease. I resist this thing. I deny it's right in my life and in my body. Oh, you may see it. The test may say it's there, but you don't have to accept it. You do not have to lay down and accept it any more than we lay down and accepted a bunch of filth in this building. We're going to get it out. Huh? You see a pig in here rooting around and making a mess. Can you see Mrs. Fry going, well, leave that piggy alone. It might be the will of the Lord. Just let him make a mess. I assure you, she'd put this pig on the move. Get this thing out of this church. Get this thing. And how many know anything that defiles your body, you ought to be the same way. You ought to say, get this out of my body. Uh Uh-uh, no. This has no right in my child. No right in my baby. No right in my body. We're sure. We're sure. Sure it couldn't be the will of God for the house of the Lord to be defiled and corrupted. Can you say glory to God? Matthew 21. Let's prove to you further that this concept of a sickness-free house includes the body. Matthew 21. Did you know we see the strongest physical manifestation of our Lord ever displayed 
when somebody defiled his house. Is that right? So we just got through reading. The Bible said, anybody defile the temple of God, God will destroy them. Man, that's strong, isn't it? Well, you know this story, but I want you to see uh, who was it like uh, Mr. Harvey always said, the rest of the story. <laughs> Matthew 21 and 12. Jesus went into the temple of God. Went into what? The what? How many know today God does not dwell in temples made with men's hands? I don't care how big and fine the building is. God don't just live in buildings. He lives in us. We are the temple. We are the temple of the Most High God. He cast out them that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves. So they literally did. They had livestock and birds and their smell and their filth. And not only that, they had greedy people in there. Greedy people. Swindlers. Liars, deceivers in the house of the Lord. Well, it ought to aggravate you too. Ought to upset you too. And I mean, he did not just sit there and idly by. He got up. He threw the tables over. He drove them out. He had a whip, you know. And he said, it is written, my house, my house shall be called the house of prayer. You've made it a den of thieves. Verse 14, verse 14. And, 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 means he's not through. Means it goes with what he just said. And the blind and the lame came to him. Where? Where? In the temple. And what happened? And he healed them. This is prophetic. Showing that the house, the building, is not going to be the temple of God. It's going to be people's bodies. Do you suppose Jesus still believes in getting the temple cleansed? Are our bodies part of this temple? Contrary to popular opinion, they are. They are. And he demonstrated it by healing people's bodies in connection with cleansing the temple. Can you see that? We are convinced it's God's will for all of us, all of our bodies to be healed. Because our bodies... Are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Does God want sickness in his house? Why would he? Why would he? He doesn't. Go to. Um, did you lose your place in Leviticus? I should have told you to keep your place. Go back to Leviticus then. 21. And you're going to need it again later on. So just hold on to it for a bit. Leviticus 21. Let's go on to reason number 28. Reason number 28 in Leviticus 21. You see a recurring theme in this, and yet you see different areas of it manifested. It's why it warrants a separate reason. 21 and uh, 17. Well, verse 16. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak unto Aaron, saying, Whosoever he be of your seed. Now, let's stop right there. Who was Aaron? He was the high priest. Well, his descendants would be of the family of the priest. His family were the family of the priests. So this is talking about priests. 
Whoever he be of your seed in their generations that hath a blemish, let him not approach to offer the bread of his God. For whatsoever man he be that has a blemish, he shall not approach. A blind man, or a lame, or he that has a flat nose, or anything superfluous. These are talking about deformities. Or a man that is broken footed, or broken handed, or crook backed, or a dwarf, or he that has a blemish in his eye, or be scurvy, or scabbed, or hath his stones broken. No man that has a blemish of the seed of Aaron the priest shall come near to offer the offerings of the Lord made by fire. He has a blemish. He shall not come near to offer the bread of his God. Verse 23, he shall not go in unto the veil, nor come near unto the altar, because he has a blemish that he profane not my sanctuaries, for I, the Lord, do sanctify them. Under the Levitical order of priesthood, a blemish, a disease, a deformity would disqualify you from the priesthood. You could not go into the holy place. He said, lest you profane my holy place. Now, some people would think that's unfair. Because think about some of these things. Being a dwarf. Flat nose, superfluous, that's deformity. Things like this people are born with. Some of it could be through injuries. Why would God... Cause a man to be born like this and then turn around and say, you can't serve in my priesthood because of this deformity. Because it wasn't his will for them to be born that way. Are you with me? Now, people talk about the perfect body and the perfect physique. There really is no such thing in the sense of no flaws. Because everything on this planet has been affected by the curse. And a baby's born, and they say, the, is the baby healthy? Yeah, baby's perfect. Well, you put them under the microscope, and you'll find out one eye is a little bit bigger than the other. One arm's a little bit longer than the other. Maybe you didn't even notice it. Maybe you can't even see it. Why? Because every, our body's been affected by the curse. So there really is no such thing as a perfect body in the sense of no flaws, everything's symmetrical. God made Adam and Eve that way. They were that way. But since sin and the curse, we've all been affected. But the diseases and the deformities, he said, would disqualify. Now, you know, you, you hear that? People got quiet on that, didn't they? Why? Well, there's a lot of stuff that has been taught that simply is not true. People talk about somebody who's deformed, somebody's this problem or that, and people say, well, God made them that way. He made them special. Well, they are special, but it's not the deformity that makes them so. Are you with me now? They are special. But we need to watch our language lest we try to say God did it. It pleased him to make the deformity. It pleased him to place the disease. That's not right. I said that's not right. It's not true. Now, 
This reason is number 28. We're sure it's God's will for all of us to be healed. Because we are God's priests. Aren't we? In these days, only Aaron's family were the priests. But the Bible tells us in Revelation 1, don't turn there, but Revelation 1, 5, Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the first begotten of the dead, the prince of the kings of the earth. He has loved us. He washed us from our sins in his own blood. And he has made us kings and priests unto God and his father. Revelation 5.10 says, He's made us to our God, kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. Are we His priests? Did He change from the Old Testament? Now back then, He didn't want any blemishes, any disease, any deformities in His priests. But now He's changed and He's okay with blemishes and deformities and diseases all through the priesthood. He did not change. I said he has not changed. He has not changed. It is still his will. That his priests. Be healed. And clean. And whole. Well, What if my body's not that way. Believe for it to become that way. Now we'll see more in our next point right here. In Leviticus 22. You were there in 21. Go to 22. 22. This goes right along with this. And yet it's different. As well, in 22 and 21, well, let me back up, let's see, Uh, 19, talking about the offerings, verse 18, he was talking to Aaron and his sons, how many know that priests offer sacrifices? They bring offerings. And in verse 19, he told them, you shall offer at your own will a male, what's the next two words? Without blemish of the beeves, of the sheep, or of the goats. But whatsoever has a blemish, you shall not offer it. It shall not be acceptable for you. He went on to say the latter part of 21, it'll be perfect to be accepted. Somebody say accepted. There shall be no blemish therein, blind or broken or maimed or having a wind or scurvy or scabbed. You shall not offer these to the Lord, nor make an offering by fire of them upon the altar to the Lord. Verse 24, you shall not offer to the Lord that which is bruised or crushed or broken or cut. Neither shall you make any offering thereof in the land. Neither from a stranger's hand shall you offer the bread of your God of any of these because their corruption is in them. Their blemishes be in them. They shall not be accepted for you. Was it okay to bring diseased animals for offerings and sacrifices? Turn to uh, Romans, the 12th chapter. I'm going to read some more of this to you. Romans, the 12th chapter. He said, don't bring anything that is blemished or diseased or damaged or deformed. I'm going to read Malachi 1 to you while you're going to Romans 12. He said, you offer polluted bread on my altar. And you say, where have we polluted you? He said, you say the table of the Lord is contemptible. You offer the blind for sacrifice. Is it not evil? You offer the lame and the sick. Is it not evil? Offer it to your governor. 
Will he be pleased with you? He said, give it to them. See if they like it. (laughs) Verse 11. From the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, my name shall be great among the Gentiles. In every place incense shall be offered to my name. A pure offering. Somebody say pure offering. For my name will be great among the heathen, says the Lord of hosts. But you have profaned it in that you say the table of the Lord is polluted. The fruit, even his meat, is contemptible. You said, what a weariness it is. You've snuffed at it. You brought that which is torn and lame and sick. You have brought an offering. Should I accept this of your hand, says the Lord. He already said in the other scripture, I will not accept it. It is not acceptable to me. We saw it about three times. It is not. What made him not acceptable? He did receive lambs and goats and sheep, didn't he? Calves. It's not that he just didn't want a calf or a lamb. What made him unacceptable? The disease, the deformity, the corruption, didn't it? Are you in Romans 12? I want you to notice this, Romans 12. In Romans, the 12th chapter, the first verse. What does it say? I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you do what? That you present what? Your bodies. Your bodies, a what? A living sacrifice, holy, what else? Acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Well, we know holy, we understand that, but people just run over that other word and miss that. What condition were sacrifices to be in to be acceptable to Him? They were to be clean. They were to be clean. They were to be whole. They were to be sound. They were to be fluffies. Is that right? Fluffies. If God wanted his sheep to be a fluffy, why wouldn't he want your body to be a fluffy? The best. The best. Somebody say glory to God. This is reason number 29. We're sure it's God's will for all of us to be healed today because our bodies are living sacrifices. They're to be whole. They're to be clean. Now, you know, it got a little quiet a few minutes ago because people think, well, uh, does that mean I'm not an acceptable priest if I got sickness in my body? Does that mean I'm not acceptable to God if I got sickness in my body? No, it wasn't the sheep that wasn't acceptable. It was the sickness. It's not you. It's not the body. It's the sickness. Don't identify with the sickness. Don't say this disease is me. Say, no, this is a foreign intruder. Has no right to be in my body. I resist it. And let me show you what to do about it. (laughs) Now's when we go to Luke. Let me show you what to do about it. Somebody say, glory to God. Are you getting something tonight? Come on, come on. Luke 17. I think somebody's getting something. See, religion, even some in medical science, would tell you, accept it. Accept it. It's your lot in life. It's what's happened to you. 
It's who you are. And identify with it. I say no. No. You don't have to. I said you don't have to. Somebody said, well, I was born this way. You still don't have to. God does miracles. I said, God does miracles. Well, I've had this all my life. Still, it's not bigger than God. But the thing you want to do, you don't want to feel condemned. You don't want to feel bad about something. You do want to become convinced, God didn't put this on me. God didn't make me this way. It's not his will. I don't have to accept it. I don't have to just lay down and say, well, this is it. This is God's will for me. Even anymore, then you have to say, well, it's God's will for me to be poor because I was born poor. Or I was born into a family that don't believe in God, so I just got to be lost. No. No. His will is revealed in his word, and his will is clean and healed. Whole and strong. Did you know the Bible records Jesus healing the maimed? He made the maimed whole. What's maimed? Maimed is somebody that got a tiger got a hold of and chewed his arm off and didn't have an arm there. And God put the arm back on. Maimed is people that got stabbed and cut and bludgeoned in battle and had ears missing and fingers and toes and and a nose sideways and Jesus made them whole. He restored them to wholeness and soundness. People say, well, I just don't believe that. Well, it ain't going to happen to you. These signs follow them that believe. Somebody say, I can be whole. I can be healthy. I can be strong. It is the will of God. All things are possible to him that believes. Say it again. All things are possible to him that believes. Say it again. All things are possible to him that believes and I believe. You watch, I just heard this in my spirit. You watch it. There will be testimonies from tonight. Testimonies from tonight. And some that didn't hear it tonight, but they're going to hear it later uh, through the means that are available. And they're going to be miracle testimonies. Things that were missing. Things that people were born without. And God's going to put it in there. I don't believe that. Then you believe God can't do it. You believe all things are not possible with God. We do believe it. We do believe it. We do believe it. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Luke 17. Well, what if, Brother Keith, my body is in an unacceptable condition? Now, did you hear how I said that? I didn't say you were unacceptable. I didn't say your body was unacceptable. What did I say? Unacceptable condition condition what's unacceptable to him it was the disease the blemishes the deformities because he received sheep and goats all the time it was the disease that disqualified him the seed of Aaron served in priest positions all over the place he's receiving the sons of Aaron what was unacceptable the disease that was in them the disease is unacceptable now notice Luke 17 
Verse 11. It came to pass as Jesus went to Jerusalem, he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. As he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. They lifted up their voices. They said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said to them, just be patient, boys. Hmm? And bear your cross humbly. For this is your lot in life. And the Lord has seen fit to bless you like this. So just let this be your testimony. That you love him anyway. It's good to love the Lord anyway. No matter what's going on in your life. But it's wrong to say he put it there. It's wrong to say he caused you to be that way. It's wrong. I said it's wrong. Because these diseases are ungodly. They are not of God. They are not God-like. They're ugly. They're nasty. Aren't they? They make people stink. They make them rot while they live. Are you listening? Is that of God? Is that godly? They take this beautiful thing that God has made in His own likeness and image and emaciate it and twist it and distort it until it barely resembles Him anymore. How could He be pleased with it? He's not. He's not. That's why when all this is fixed and restored, there will be no more of it. I said, in the the new heavens and the new earth, they're not going to be one more headache. Not one more ache and pain. There will be no disease. There will be no hospitals. No cemeteries. No mental institutions. Why? Because none of that ever was of God. It's only here because of sin. And because of the curse. Because of death. But soon and very soon, even death itself... (laughs) <laughs> there will be no more. And all there will be is life and the life abundant that Jesus came to give us all. But I, for one, want to go ahead and take advantage of the first fruits of this. Take advantage of the earnest, the, the first part of this, till we get the rest. These men full of leprosy. They got a terminal, incurable condition. And uh, he said, go show yourself to the priest. Let me just stop right here. Stop right here. Have you read that? We were back there in Leviticus just a moment ago. Have you read that, what he's talking about? Why he told them that? They were only to show themselves to the priest when they were healed. Did you get this? And at this particular moment, do they look healed? Do they feel healed? They are full of leprosy. They were only supposed to go search out the priest when they were healed from this leprous condition. When their bodies recovered from it and clean. And then they were go to go and say, the Lord has healed me. And he would bring them in, shave their heads, and they'd change their clothes and wash. He would examine them to pronounce them clean and acceptable. You were not to go to be pronounced clean until you were. 
Because you're unacceptable to be in the public. You're unacceptable. Much less the house of God. But here Jesus tells them, go on. Show yourself to the priest. And their symptoms are everywhere. They stink. Their flesh is dying on them while they're walking around. What if, Brother Keith, what if the condition of my body is unacceptable? He showed you what to do right here. What do you do? I don't care if you feel like, look like, smell like walking death. What did he say do? Go show yourself to the priest. And it came to pass. As they went, they were cleansed. They were healed. I want you to know you got a high priest. You have a high priest passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. What if my body condition is unacceptable? What if I got defilement and corruption in me that's not pleasing to God? What did he say? Present your body to him as acceptable. Walk on up to him and call it clean. Call those things that be not as though they were. Call your body healed. Call it whole. Call it healed. And as you go, as you go doing that. You will be. You will be. Don't sit and cry and say, my condition of my body is unacceptable to him. He's already bought and paid for our healing. Right? He took that infirmity. He bore that sickness. He carried that pain. What do you do? You stand up and agree with him. You stand up and call your body healed, even though you still look and feel and smell the symptoms. Call your body healed, call it whole, and present it to him, your high priest, and say, here, I'm bringing this living sacrifice to you. I call it whole, I call it healed, based on the redemptive work of Jesus. And as you go, might not happen the first time you said it, as far as experiencing it, but as you go, you will be cleansed. You will be healed. Can you say amen? Glory to God. That was reason number 29. We got one more. Can you take it? Go with me to uh, Ephesians, the fifth chapter. Well, and 1 Corinthians 11. Let me review a little bit, make sure everybody's on the same page here. Reason number... 25 was he is the vine we are the branches number 26 our bodies are the members of Christ 27 your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost 28 we are God's priests 29 our bodies are living sacrifices right there to be holy and acceptable Reason number 30. Did you ever think we'd get here? (laughs) It's been a good journey. 1 Corinthians 11 and Ephesians 5. 1 Corinthians 11, down in verse 7. He's talking about men and women, which really you could say husbands and wives is the specific application. And he said, 11, 7, a man indeed ought not to cover his head, 1 Corinthians 11, 7, for as much as he is the image and glory of God, but the woman is the glory of the man. And all the men said, Amen. Amen. 
The woman is the glory of the man. Are we called in the scripture the bride of Christ? Are we? Are we his bride? We already got through seeing not just our spirit, but also our bodies. Our members and part of Christ. So then our bodies would be part of the bride of Christ as well. In fact, this body's been bought and paid for. We're going to have it forever. Thank God in a glorified state. But he is our husband. We are his bride. How many men want their wives sick? What benefit would it be to them? Is the fellowship better? Any benefits? When the wife is sick, she doesn't feel like fellowshipping and going places with the husband and doing things with the husband. The mother's sick, the wife is sick, the bride is sick. And sickness affects beauty and radiance, doesn't it? You know in the Song of Solomon that the husband and wife are a type of Christ in the church. And the husband is describing the beauty of the wife. Let me remind you of it. He said in Song of Solomon 4, 7, he said, You are all fair, my love. There is no spot in you. He said, You're the fairest among women. He said in Song of Solomon 6, 4, You are beautiful. Verse 9, My undefiled one. Verse 10, and this is poetic. He says, She looks forth as the morning. Fair as the moon, clear as the sun, terrible as an army with banners. Is this the picture of a weak, broken, emaciated bride? No. No. Sickness robs the bride of her looks, of her beauty, of her radiance. We are his bride. If our husband, the Lord Jesus, wanted us sick, he'd be out of harmony with every husband on the planet. Wouldn't he? How do we understand that? I'm part of the bride. And he tells me, it pleases me, Keith, for you to be sick as my bride. And I'd be there scratching my head because I know there's no way I won't feel as sick. I can't think of any reason why I'd ever want her sick or diseased or weak. Well, does the Lord want his bride sick? No. Does he want us weak? No. Does he want us shortened of our days and emaciated and broken and, and our beauty and our health robbed? No, no. no. Go to Ephesians. Yes, Ephesians 5. You know where I'm going? Yeah. If not, just turn right on over there. Ephesians 5. 25. Ephesians 5, 25. He said, husbands, love your wives. Even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Now, if Christ is making his bride sick, it'd be right for us to make our bride sick. Poison them. Hurt them. Inject them with some disease. Why? That's what the Lord does with us. He puts sickness on us to teach us things. 
Well, now you, you say no, and that's the right answer. But do you understand? Millions of Christians believe that phrase. But it's inconsistent with scriptures. It's inconsistent with what he told us to do. He said, husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church. Do you understand? That means help them. Take care of them. Help them to maximize their self. Help them to reach their full potential. We want to see how many husbands in here. You want to see your wife radiant, strong, beautiful, healthy. No way we want our brides sick, broken, weak, diseased. No way. No way. And we are a type of Christ and the church. He said, love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it that he might do what? Read with me. Verse 26. That he might what? Sanctify and cleanse it. With the washing of the water by the word that he might present it to himself. A glorious church. Not having a spot or a wrinkle or any such thing. But that it should be holy and without a blemish. This is the will of God. This is the will of God. This is the will of God. So well, it's, it's spiritual, Brother Keith. It is spiritual, but it includes the body. We've proven it from Scripture after Scripture. What did he say? Husbands, love your wives how? Well, you read on down, and he said, as your own bodies. Didn't he? Bodies. Somebody say bodies. Does God care about this body? Has he made provision for this body? Jesus did not just go to the cross in spirit. He went there in his body. He offered his spirit for our spirit. His soul for our soul. His mind for our mind. And his body for our body. Hallelujah. He bore our sins on the cross. But he took our infirmities. And he bore our sicknesses. And he carried our pains too. And by his stripes we're healed. I don't care what you see or hear of others doing or not doing. Are you convinced that it's the will of God for you to be healed? No matter what you've experienced or haven't experienced, doesn't change the Bible. It has always been His will. It is His will. It will always be His will for us to be healed. Can you say glory to God? Glory to God. Stand up on your feet. Lift up your hands. Give him glory for this. Oh, Father, we praise you. Oh, Father, we thank you. Oh, we thank you, we thank you, we thank you, we thank you, we thank you. We thank you. Thank you that we now know your will and are established in your will for our bodies. Glory to God. Hallelujah. We made it. 30. Biblical reasons. But sit down. I'm going to give you one more. (laughs) Ushers, pass them out. 
You can call this reason number 31 or, or you can just call it a summary of the previous 30. But do you know why we believe it's God's will for all of us to be healed today? Because he said so. Because <laughs> he said so. This handout contains 101 things God said about your healing. This is not somebody's theory. This is not somebody's experience or idea. These are things he said. He said. I give you the reference beside it. On every one of them. So, is there much in the Bible about healing? <laughs> yeah. From cover to cover. Think about Jesus. What did he spend a large part of his ministry doing? Healing people. Has he changed? He's never changed. We are sure that it's God's will for all of us to be healed today because he said so. (laughs) And if he said so, that ought to be good enough for anybody. Well, what did he say, Brother Keith? Hold on. He said, I am the Lord that heals you. Your days will be 120 years. You'll be buried in a good old age. You'll come to your grave in a full age like a shock of corn comes in its season. When I see the blood, I'll pass over you and the plague will not be on you to destroy you. I'll take sickness away from the midst of you and the number of your days I will fulfill. I'll not put any of the diseases you're afraid of on you. But I'll take all sickness away from you. It'll be well with you and your days will be multiplied and prolonged as the days of heaven on the earth. I turned the curse into a blessing to you because I loved you. I've redeemed you from every sickness and every plague. As your days, so shall your strength be. I found a ransom for you. Your flesh will be fresher than a child's. You'll return to the days of your youth. I've healed you and brought up your soul from the grave. I kept you alive from going down into the pit. I'll give you strength and bless you with peace. I'll preserve you and keep you alive. I'll strengthen you on the bed of languishing. I'll turn all your bed in your sickness. Are you recognizing any of these? Huh? Did I make this up? No. I didn't say this. He said it. I am the health of your countenance and your God. No plague will come near your dwelling. I'll satisfy you with long life. I heal all your diseases. I sent my word and healed you and delivered you from your destructions. You'll not die, but live and declare my works. I heal your broken heart and bind up your wounds. The years of your life will be many. Trusting me brings health to your navel and marrow to your bones. My words are life to you and health and medicine to all your flesh. My good report makes your bones fat. My pleasant words are sweet to your soul and health to your bones. My joy is your strength. A merry heart does good like a medicine. Did he say all this? Did he really say all this? This is not one thing. This is not a couple of things. I didn't put them all down. (laughs) 
The eyes of the blind will be opened. The eyes of them that see shall not be dim. The ears of the deaf will be unstopped. The ears of them that hear shall hearken. The tongue of the dumb will sing. The tongue of the stammerers shall be ready to speak plainly. The lame man leap as a heart. I'll recover you and make you live. I am ready to save you. I give power to the faint. I increase strength to them that have no might. I'll renew your strength. I'll strengthen and help you to your old age and gray hairs. I'll carry you and I will deliver you. I bore your sicknesses. I carried your pains. I was put to sickness for you with my stripes. You are healed. So the next time somebody tells you they don't agree with you, get them to give you a hundred and one things that God said, proving it's not his will. And watch them stutter. I will heal you. Your light will break forth as the morning. Your health will spring forth speedily. I'll restore health to you. I'll heal you of your wounds, says the Lord. Behold, I bring it health and cure. I will cure you and reveal to you the abundance of peace and truth. I'll bind up that which was broken. I'll strengthen that which was sick. I'll cause breath to enter into you and you shall live. I'll put my spirit in you and you shall live. Wherever the rivers will come shall live. They'll be healed and everything shall live where the river comes. I believe the river's flowing tonight. Seek me and you shall live. I have arisen with healing in my wings. And we're just halfway. Why are we sure it's God's will for all of us to be healed? Come on, help me out. Because he said so. He said so. God said so. And if somebody else says something different, well, they're just wrong. <laughs> you having any fun with this? I... We have hurt the devil tonight. I'm telling you, we, we put the hurt on the kingdom of darkness tonight. God did. I will be thou clean. These are New Testament. Did you notice now? All these are New Testament. I will be thou clean. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? That was our text for all these. I will be thou clean. I took your infirmities. I bore your sicknesses. If you're sick, you need a physician. I am the Lord, your physician. I moved with compassion toward the sick and I heal them. I heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease according to your faith. Be it unto you. I give you power and authority over all unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. I heal them all. As many as touch me are made perfectly whole. Healing is the children's bread. I do all things well. I make the deaf to hear and the dumb to speak. If you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. When hands are laid on you, you shall recover. My anointing heals the brokenhearted, delivers the captives, recovers sight to the blind, and sets at liberty those that are bruised. I heal all those who have need of healing. I'm not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. Did he say that? Behold, I give you authority over all the enemy's power, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Sickness is satanic bondage and you ought to be loosed today. 
In me is life. I am the bread of life. I give you life. The words I speak to you are spirit and life. I'm come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. I am the resurrection and the life. Notice he never said he's the sickness and corruption and the death. No. If you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. Faith in my name makes you strong and gives you perfect soundness. I stretch forth my hand to heal. I, Jesus Christ, make you whole. I do good and heal all that are oppressed of the devil. My power causes diseases to depart from you. The law of the spirit of life in me has made you free from the law of sin and death. The same spirit that raised me from the dead now lives in you. And that spirit will quicken your mortal body. Your body is a member of me. Your body is the temple of my spirit. And you're to glorify me in your body. If you'll rightly discern my body which was broken for you and judge yourself, you'll not be judged and you'll not be weak, sickly, or die prematurely. I have set gifts of healing in my body. My life may be made manifest in your mortal flesh. I have delivered you from death. I do deliver you. And if you trust me, I will yet deliver you. I've given you my name and put all things under your feet. I want it to be well with you. I want you to live long on the earth. I've delivered you from the authority of darkness. I will deliver you from every evil work. I tasted death for you. I destroyed the devil who had the power of death. I've delivered you from the fear of death and bondage. I wash your body with pure water. Lift up the weak hands and the feeble knees. Don't let that which is lame be turned aside, but rather let it be healed. Let the elders anoint you and pray for you in my name. I will raise you up. Pray for one another. I will heal you. By my stripes you were healed. My divine power has given to you all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of me. Whosoever will, let him come and take of the water of life freely. Beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. Come on, stand up and give him glory. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.